Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Lara St. Pierre, and I'm a YSI product manager at Xylem. I do want to really thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules today uh, to attend our webinar on measuring nitrification and denitrification rates with YSI's IQ sensor net in an intermittent cycle extended aeration system. We hope everyone finds this information useful. Our presenters today are Sarah Elgar and Rob Smith. Sarah is a wastewater process engineer with Xylem Water Solutions, working with Sanitaire Biological System Solutions. Rob is a wastewater applications engineer for Xylem Analytics YSI products. Just some quick housekeeping notes. <clears throat> if you are connecting via wireless internet, I recommend that you use your telephone to call in to hear the audio. This is going to result uh, in better audio, uh, sound results for you as opposed to trying to listen over wireless communication. Uh, it can be occasionally interrupted. So if you are over wireless, be sure to dial in with your phone to listen. There should be time for questions today, so please use the messenger window on the right side of your screen to send us any questions you have during the presentation, and there'll be time at the end for us to address them. If we don't get to your specific question during the webinar, we'll follow up with you directly. Also, we will be at WEFTEC in about a week and a half, um, so if you're there, if you got in the big e easy, um, stop by YSI's or Xylem's booth, 6239, to learn more about our solutions for wastewater treatment plants. A copy of today's webinar will be made available to you in a few days. So if you miss something, don't worry. We're going to send you an email with a link to the recorded webinar uh, for you to use, uh, share with your colleagues. We also have a section on YSI's website, YSI.com, that links to all of our webinars uh, that we've done over the last few years. Uh, if you want to send colleagues there to view today's webinar, or if you're interested in learning more about YSI's IQ SensorNet, we have a webinar uh, recorded there that you can download. <clears throat> All right, at this point, I'd like to turn it over to Sarah. Thank you, Laura, and thank you all for joining us. Today, I will provide a brief introduction to the background of this project, along with an overview of the intermittent cycle extended aeration system, otherwise known as ICIUS, utilized by the Cedar Grove Wastewater Treatment Facility. I will then let Rob review the IQ SensorNet system with you, after which I will review nitrification and denitrification concepts in general before going into detail on the rate calculations we perform. Finally, I will discuss why one would want to calculate nitrification and denitrification rates in this way and how the data can be used. The testing was completed at the Cedar Grove Wastewater Treatment Facility, which is located just a short distance from the Xylem Sanitaire office located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The Cedar Grove facility employs the ICIUS technology, which is an activated sludge process modification of the sequencing batch reactor, or SBR, treatment process. We were invited by the operators to install the IQ sensor net system at the Cedar Grove facility in an effort to better understand the plant's operation. The plant staff and Sanitaire work closely together on a regular basis, and plant operators allow Sanitaire to run experiments and test new equipment at the plant. A brief overview of the facility is shown here. The Headworks building is located about 200 yards to the left on this photo. Influent is pumped from the Headworks to a splitter box just upstream of the Ikeas basins. The reactors are located inside a building to maximize the reactor temperature during the winter months. Effluent from the Ikeas reactors goes through sand filters prior to being discharged to Bar Creek, which is a tributary of Lake Michigan. 
Weast-activated sludge is removed from the aqueous reactors and transferred to the aerobic digesters for further biosolids treatment. Sludge is thickened by gravity in the digesters with supernatant return to the head of the plant before the thickened sludge from the digester is pumped to the sludge storage tanks. Sludge is hauled off, land applied in summer months, and stored during the winter. The Cedar Grove facility was commissioned in 2006 and was designed around the listed parameters. The current influent flow averages about 150,000 gallons per day, and the operators use only a single basin for operation. Currently, the plant does not have a total nitrogen permit requirement, but the design incorporates anoxic periods to allow for denitrification for potential future nutrient limits. When evaluating denitrification rates for this project, the plant was operated with multiple anoxic periods to encourage denitrification. Now I would like to briefly introduce you to the Icheus SBR technology. Icheus is a continuous flow SBR. An Icheus reactor consists of two zones, a pre-react zone and a main react zone. The pre-react zone is located on the influent end of the basin and occupies about 15% of the basin volume. The pre-react wall, which separates the main react zone from the pre-react zone, is what allows the system to be continuous flow. Due to the high food-to-mass ratio found in the pre-react zone, the pre-react zone acts as a biological selector and discourages filamentous growth while encouraging flock formers and other healthy bacteria. The main react zone is where the bulk of the equipment is located, although aeration extends through both the pre-react and main react zones. The mixers, decanter, and WAS pumps are all located in the main react zone. The ICHIAS process consists of three phases, react, settle, and decant. During each of these phases, influent is continually fed to the pre-react zone. Sludge wasting is recommended during the decanting phase in an effort to waste the highest solids concentrations found after the system has been in settle. The following cycle charts are another depiction of the operating cycle of the ICHIAS system. A typical nutrient removal system is designed with a 4.8 hour normal cycle and a storm cycle, which is 75% shorter. The react phase consists of alternating anoxic and aerobic periods, with either blowers or mixers in operation, never both at the same time. The first air-off period promotes biological phosphorus removal by having a truly anaerobic period after the extended air-off period of settle and decant. This allows for phosphorus release, followed by subsequent aeration for luxury phosphorus uptake by the microorganisms. A look at the cross-section in the basin illustrates the three different zones found in an ICHIAS. Starting from the bottom, the sludge blanket is the volume occupied by the biomass required for the system. It is a function of the food-to-mass ratio used to design the plant, combined with the influent loadings. Above the sludge blanket is a three-foot buffer zone, which acts as one of the safety factors in the design. I like to call it the operator's fudge factor where there is a space between the sludge blanket and the decantable volume in the case of a plant upset where the SVI might creep up a bit higher than design. The drawdown is the top layer of water that is removed from the system each cycle, or the difference between the top and bottom water level. The drawdown is a function of the peak flow and cycle structure. The probes that were installed in the Aqueous Basin, whether they are DO probes for blower control or ammonia nitrate probes for calculating rates, 
are installed three feet below the bottom water level. This is where, if you recall from the previous slide, the sludge blanket intersects the buffer zone. The probes are mounted here to ensure adequate submersion even when the water level is at its lowest point. I will now pass it over to Rob to discuss the IQ SensorNet system, and more specifically, the different instruments available within the system, including those we have used at the Cedar Grove facility for measuring nitrification and denitrification rates. Thank you, Sarah, for that excellent summary of the Cedar Grove Wastewater Treatment Plant and the aqueous technology. Now, allow me to describe the features of the instrumentation system with an emphasis on the specific components installed at Cedar Grove. Sarah and her colleagues wanted to know the actual rates of nitrification and denitrification in the reactors, but this required more than just composited samples sent to the lab for measurement. An online measurement system capable of taking direct readings from the reactor was needed. The solution was to install the YSI IQ SensorNet process monitoring system in one of the ICIUS reactors. The benefit of online instrumentation is transparency. It enables the operator to see what is happening in real time. The online probes installed in the ICIUS reactor at Cedar Grove allowed for a detailed evaluation of nitrification and denitrification. Sarah will discuss this chart in greater detail later on in the webinar. IQ SensorNet is a multi-parameter online sensor network for wastewater treatment, process, monitoring, and control. An IQ SensorNet system consists of four basic components, shown here, a terminal controller, modules, cables, and of course, sensors. As I am reviewing the components, keep in mind that the system is completely modular. Get what you need today and think about how you can upgrade and expand your system later. The brains of the system is the 2020 XT Universal Digital Controller. The 2020 XT controls 1 to 20 sensors and includes a data logger and a multifunction USB port, which was very handy. Sanitaire logs measurement data at one minute intervals and transfers log data monthly using the multifunctional USB port. Although the controller was installed indoors in this project, it is just as suited for use outdoors with a backlit display and silicon buttons. Moreover, this controller is portable and can easily be moved to any stack within the network with the built-in mechanical electrical connection. One or more modules add functionality to the network, including power supply, analog outputs, including relay and current outputs, communication interfaces, such as Modbus, Profibus, and Ethernet, Bluetooth communication for wire wireless communication within the SensorNet network, and inputs from third-party devices. For instance, input module MIQ-IC2 was incorporated into the Cedar Grove network to accept signals from and provide power to a third-party pressure transducer for monitoring reactor depth. IQ SensorNet utilizes two types of cables. Sensor connection cables have a threaded end that fits all sensors. 
network cable is identical except without the sensor connection end. Both types of cables are fully protected from electromagnetic emissions and together with the other sensor net components are protected against overvoltage from lightning, for example. Network cable and stacking connects modules to an IQ network. The picture on the left shows how the modules can be stack mounted without cables. These two modules are connected electrically with a contact plate that is on all modules. It is then held in place mechanically by tabs and two screws. For applications that have sensors in multiple locations, our IQ network cables are used to provide power and communication, substantially reducing cable and conduit and simplifying installation. This smart installation option avoids excess cable and provides a clean solution for networking, transforming single measuring points with dedicated power and analog outputs, shown here, into a solution that reduces cabling, providing a clean solution for networking. Presently, there are sensors to measure 14 different parameters critical to wastewater treatment operation. Each of these sensors is simple to use and maintain. All sensors are digital. All sensors have the same threaded connection. And all are automatically recognized by the system. Just plug and play. Furthermore, you can expect a low cost of ownership as all sensors are constructed from durable materials and come with two-year warranties. At Cedar Grove, FDO, Varian, V-Solid, and Sensolite sensors were deployed to measure ammonium, nitrate, dissolved oxygen, mixed liquor suspended solids, and oxidation reduction potential. Before moving on to describe each of those sensors, I would like to introduce you to the newest member of the IQ family, the Interface Level Analyzer. Intelligent signal processing results in more reliable readings, even approaching zero-depth blanket. Undesired signals caused by floating sludge, sludge rakes, and surface skimmers are filtered out. Furthermore, a detailed echo profile is displayed on the 2020 XT terminal controller. Of course, this sensor also has all the features of the other IQ sensors. It is factory calibrated and ready to go. Just enter immersion depth and tank depth and put it in your primary or final settling tank. At Cedar Grove, an FDO dissolved oxygen sensor was installed as a check on the nitrification-denitrification process. DO is a critical wastewater treatment parameter and has a long track record for activated sludge monitoring. Unfortunately, until recently, DO probes also had a bad track record for measurement error due to electrode fouling requiring cumbersome maintenance. Optical technology has changed that. The FDO sensor has a very selective and very stable sensing element built in to a, the sensor cap. Lower energy green light is very gentle on the sensing element, minimizing the aging process. And the reference and measuring channel use the same optical components, eliminating drift. Additionally, each sensor cap 
is calibrated at the factory and its calibration constants stored on an embedded microchip. When a new cap is installed on a probe, the calibration constants are automatically sent to the probe. The probe with its new cap is ready to start measuring dissolved oxygen. A new calibration is not required. And since the optics design enables automatic drift compensation, you will never ever have to calibrate the FDO probe. How's that for lowering maintenance requirements? No electrodes to clean, no membrane replacement, and no calibration. Because of all these features, YSI offers a two-year factory warranty also on the sensor cap. And one more thing. As of May 2012, the optical sensing method has been approved for Clean Water Act compliance monitoring. So the FDO can also be used in the effluent channel for NPDES reporting. A V-Solids TSS probe was installed in the aqueous reactor in order to allow calculation of specific nitrification and denitrification rates. The V-Solids 700 uses two different measuring principles for measurement of a wide range of sludge types and concentrations. In aeration tanks, the principle of scattered light is utilized. In raw sludge and digested sludge, the principle of backscatter is applied. But don't worry. With the auto range function, the optimum resolution is automatically selected. The VSOD is precisely factory calibrated and ready for operation. Furthermore, the electronics and optics are extraordinarily stable such that future calibrations are not required. However, YSI recognizes that sludges can be totally different with respect to coloration, particle size, and flock structure. Therefore, the VSOD will accept user calibrations. Of course, even the finest solid sensor cannot make a reliable measurement if it is covered with a thick layer of biomass. To overcome measurement limitations due to fouling, the V-Solid features a very smooth sensor surface constructed from sapphire and the trademarked ultra-clean, ultrasonic cleaning feature. Here's a comparison of the effectiveness of ultrasonic cleaning from a side-by-side -side trial. The clean sensor on the right shows the condition after 30 days with ultrasonic cleaning. The sensor on the left did not have the cleaning system activated. Which sensor would you trust to provide accurate data? The ultra-clean system keeps the optic pole window clean without the drawbacks of traditional cleaning mechanisms. The ultra-clean system continuously cleans the optic window without any mechanical moving parts, leaving a measuring window without any smearing or scratching, so regular surface or replacement parts are not required. Watch this video as the sensor is powered up and see for yourself a demonstration of the effectiveness of ultra-clean. After one minute and then after three minutes. The Varian sensor is in the IQ family of ion-selective electrode sensors. It enables the measurement of ammonium and nitrate using one probe. 
and is ideally suited to biological nutrient removal applications. For instance, optimizing aeration rates and mixed liquor recirculation. In this case, rates of nitrification and denitrification in the aqueous reactor were calculated by measuring the change in nitrate concentration over time. The varium probe installed at Cedar Grove included four ion-selective electrodes, one for ammonium, one for nitrate, a potassium electrode for dynamic compensation of ammonium measurements, and a reference electrode, in addition to a temperature electrode. Varian electrodes are protected by a stainless steel grid for durability. Furthermore, the special design of the electrodes from the membrane and through the electrode electrolyte storage reservoir means that they have a long life. The electrodes come with a one-year warranty, but in practice have a lifetime of 18 months or even longer. When electrodes do need replacement, they can be replaced individually and are recognized automatically by the SensorNet network. Now, I would like to turn the webinar back to Sarah, who will describe how the online data was utilized. Thanks, Rob. Before I get into the rate calculations, I would like to briefly review the nitrification and denitrification principles of activated sludge. In typical domestic wastewater systems, total Keldahl nitrogen enters the plant. TKN consists of organic nitrogen and ammonia nitrogen. The organic nitrogen is converted to ammonia nitrogen through the ammonification process, while the ammonia is converted to nitrite and subsequently nitrate through the nitrification process. The processes happen under aerobic conditions and are greatly dependent on temperature, sludge age, pH, DO concentration, and alkalinity. The autotrophic bacteria responsible for nitrification are more susceptible to toxicity and are some of the slower growing microorganisms. Denitrification is the step which the nitrate nitrogen is converted to nitrogen gas. The process happens under anoxic conditions and is dependent on temperature and available carbon source. The heterotrophic bacteria responsible for denitrification use the chemically bound oxygen in lieu of dissolved oxygen, which results in 2.8 grams of oxygen recovered per gram of nitrate denitrified. So now let's get on to calculating the nitrification and denitrification rates. The data that is necessary for calculating the rates is the duration of the aerobic or anoxic conditions, the difference or change in the nitrate concentration, the mass of mixed liquor in the basin as volatile suspended solids, and the temperature in the basin. The ORP and DO probes are used to verify the aerobic and anoxic conditions during the change in nitrate concentrations in the basin. The units on the rates will be pounds of nitrate either produced or reduced per pound of volatile suspended solids per hour of aerobic or anoxic time. So from looking at this list, we seem to have all the parameters we will need. The curve here shows the nitrate concentration in green along with the DO in black and the ammonium in red. A depiction of the cycle structure is above. Note that during the nitrification rate phase of this testing, we did not use a second air-off period to promote denitrification, as we wanted continuous aerobic readings. 
You can see here how the nitrate concentration increases throughout the aeration phase and then peaks at the start of settle when the aeration is turned off. The steep curve here shows when nitrification is taking place. It is confirmed by the DO concentration reading over one milligram per liter. If we look at the rate at which nitri the nitrate concentration in the basin increases, the slope of this line should be equal to our nitrification rate. It is important to use the increase in nitrates as an indicator of the nitrification step as opposed to the ammonium decline. Let's think about the factors that impact the ammonium concentration in the basin. They include the incoming ammonia stream causing an increase, the incoming organic nitrogen being converted to ammonia also causing an increase, and the decrease in ammonia due to nitrification. It would be difficult to use this parameter to identify a nitrification rate. However, the only way that nitrate is introduced, assuming that this is domestic wastewater, is through the conversion of ammonia to nitrate or the nitrification process. One more thing that I would like to point out while we are on this slide is the difference between the curves on the left versus those on the right. You will notice that during the early morning hours, the ammonium concentration is very low, around one milligram per liter, and therefore there is not as much ammonium available for nitrification. This explains why these curves on the right don't have as constant and stable of a rate as those do on the left. Okay, so here's a printout of our calculations. You can see here that the volume of the basin is used for calculating the pounds of mixed liquor volatile suspended solids and for the pounds of ammonia nitrified. The volume of the basin is determined using an online level transducer combined with the known basin area. The volume in the pre-react zone is calculated separately from that in the main react zone and then totaled for the rate calculation. The volatile solids concentration was calculated from the online TSS value after a ratio of MLVSS to MLSS was established using an on-site lab. From these masses, the only value needed to calculate the nitrification rate is the aeration time for the period. The nitrification rate was then temperature corrected so it could be compared to published values that are either calculated using kinetics equations or derived empirically using a similar rate-based approach. An online temperature readout is provided as a secondary output to some of the probes in the basin. We specifically use the DO probe. A typical nitrification rate found in the EPA manual on nitrogen control is around 0.0028 when corrected for 20 degrees C. The rate calculated here is very similar. We are now looking at the same graph presented before for looking at nitrification during the REACT phase. During the settle phase, when the air is turned off, we can see the decrease in nitrate concentration. The negative slope of this line will equal the denitrification rate. Despite the fact that our standard design practice does not include denitrification during the settling time, it is still interesting to examine the rate at which denitrification occurs. The calculations for denitrification are very similar to those shown previously for nitrification. Instead of looking at aerobic time, though, we will include the anoxic time in our calculations. I should note that all the data downloaded from the sensor net is timestamped, which makes calculating the anoxic time simple. The denitrification rate here is very similar to the EPA nitrogen control manual published value 
of 0.0025 pounds of nitrate per pound of volatile suspended solids per hour of anoxic time at 20 degrees C. In the next phase of testing, we examined the denitrification rates found during the react phases when the air was shut off. The graph, here, the graph presented here is similar to those before, but it has a fourth parameter added. The blue line is the online TSS concentration in the basin. By examining the online TSS readings, we can better understand when the contents of the basin are completely mixed. Here, you can see when the TSS concentration is near zero, this is during settle and decant. Now, when the concentration appears to stabilize, we can see we are in a react period. Here, you can see the point at which the system switches from decant to the first react phase by the increase in the TSS concentration. The starting nitrate concentration will not be selected until the TSS concentration in the basin has increased to show mixing in the basin. We can then calculate the denitrification rate during this first air off period. Again, we can easily see the nitrification stage in the process by examining the steep increases in the nitrate concentration. And here, we can see the second air off period and the denitrification that takes place as the nitrate concentration drops. As a reminder of what the cycle structure looks like during this phase of the testing, here is that cycle chart again. You can see the first and fifth periods are air off and mixed periods, while the remainder of the react phase is in aeration. And here again is our detailed rate calculation sheet. You can see that both rates are similar again to the published EPA rates. You'll notice the first period has a slightly lower rate than the fifth period, which is likely due to the small increment of time that the rate was measured over and the small change in nitrate concentration. The time period, change in concentration, and online DO and ORP values are all factors that must be examined when comparing seemingly like rates. Now, let's discuss how and where we can use these calculated rates. I have divided the application into two categories, how a consulting engineer might use these rates for the design of a plant, and how an operator might use these rates, uh, may use these calculations for process control. In the design stage, the rates can be calculated at a number of different facilities and then compared to each other. This could be used to identify the impact of different influent BOD to TKN ratios and determine appropriate rates to use when designing different facilities. Additionally, the rate calculation could aid in determining the cycle structure, both the number of cycles needed per day and the anoxic and aerobic time required per cycle. These rates can also be used to reconcile the nitrifier-specific growth rate used in kinetics equations, like Minode, to those physically calculated at a plant. And from there, understand the impacts on the, sludge on the calculation of sludge age for a facility. Finally, a better understanding of the denitrification capacity of an SBR or ICHIA system during the settle could be used to adjust the conservatism in a design when the effluent limits aren't quite as stringent. From an operator's perspective, after the plant design has been completed, 
The operator can use the, race, the rate calculations as a health check on the system. Decreased rates might be used to confirm inhibition from an industry dumping toxins into the facility. The rate calculations could also be used as a way to predict the actual volatile mass required in a basin, and from there, the required mixed liquor in the basin. Similar to the design phase, the real-time nitrification and denitrification rates can be calculated and then used to compare the actual SRT and cycle structure with that of the design SRT and cycle structure, and then use the differences to modify the operations of the plant. Finally, when not being used to calculate rates, the ammonium and nitrate probes can be used to provide online effluent concentrations when the system is in settle and decant. These readings can be used as real-time data to reduce the number of samples analyzed per month. With that, that's the end of our presentation, and we will now open it up for questions. Please use the messenger window on the right-hand side to ask your questions. Thank you again for your time and for your attention. Great job, Rob and Sarah. We did get a few questions that came in through uh, during the last 30 minutes. Um, Rob, this one is for you. In the beginning of the IQ presentation, you mentioned a multifunction USB. What is the multifunction USB? Uh, thanks, Laura. Yeah. So uh, the USB has multiple functions. Uh, to begin with, as I mentioned, it's a, it's a way to, down, to uh, retrieve uh, logged data. But also, and very importantly, you can use it to save your settings. So when you have your sensor net network all set up, uh, and say you want to try out a different configuration, you can restore those previous settings very simply by plugging in the USB. Or if, for instance, there's an errant entry and uh, your settings are uh, uh, not, not optimal any longer. But the third function, then, is it serves as a key. So you can lock out uh, unauthorized users. You would have to have that USB uh, plugged in in order to make changes to the settings. Great. Okay. Um, here's one for Sarah. Um, how, how is the mixed liquor volatile suspended solids defined as only the mixed liquor sus suspended solids are measured? Sure. What we did for that is... Um, over the course of a six-week period, we took grab samples from the reactor. We split those samples in the lab and ran a volatile suspended solids test and a total suspended solids test on each of those samples. Over that six-week period, then, we were able to establish a ratio typical for the basin, and that ratio was then used to extract uh, or to in interpolate the volatile, percent or the volatile mass when looking at the TSS concentration in the probe. Rob, one for you. Uh, and the, uh, as Sarah pointed out, the IQ sensors were installed in the basin. Uh, can they be installed in pipes? Some of the sensors are suitable for installation in pipelines. For instance, uh, the V-Solid is perfectly suited to be inserted into a return-activated sludge pipeline for calculating the uh, RAS solids concentration. Uh, likewise, DO can also be inserted into pipelines. In other uh, cases, uh, say in pipelines in the collection system, many of the sensors need to be wet, but the V-solid and the Visoturb 
which we're not taught, uh, Visatorb was not discussed in this webinar, but could possibly be used in a uh, sewer uh, collection system under certain uh, conditions. Okay, back to Sarah. It's like tennis. Um, this question, I noticed on the solids curve that there is a peak towards the end of each cycle. What is that? Um, yes, where the solids concentration increases, I'm guessing you're saying after that steady react phase. What that is is actually right as the settling is beginning. So as settling goes through, the concentration gets thicker. And as that goes by the probe, you see the higher concentration, and then immediately after that, you see a drop-off in the concentration, which indicates that the sludge blanket has then passed below the probe. Since we had discussed that the probe is mounted uh, right between that sludge blanket and the buffer zone. I think that's what you're asking. I think so, too. Um, all right, another one for Rob. Um, what happens if power is lost to the IQ sensor net? Well, in, in the event of a, uh, a power failure, of course, uh, there won't be any readings on the uh, 2020 controller. But when power does is restored, um, the system will automatically uh, come back online and start uh, displaying readings again. Importantly, though, uh, the settings and the data are stored in non-volatile memory such that uh, it won't be lost in the event of a power failure. Okay, another one for Sarah about uh, mixed liquor suspended solids. Um, why is the mixed liquor suspended solid concentration in the pre-zone less than in the main part of the basin? Sure. Um, the way that the basin is designed with that pre-react zone being where the influent comes in, uh, just by the influent coming in, you get a dilution of the mixed liquor suspended solids there. However, because both of the zones are connected together through ports, um, the, the mixed liquor is, is throughout the whole basin. So that also is what leads to that high fluid-to-mass ratio that I was talking about in that pre-react zone. Okay, and one for, one for Rob on the IQ sensors. Uh, this question, how often should I calibrate the sensors? Well, that depends on which sensor you're talking about. Uh, the FDO, never. That is never calibrated. Uh, but, for instance, and, and likely with the V-solid as well, will require infrequent calibrations and uh, perhaps occasional uh, uh, correction factors. The ISE electrodes, however, will require some sort of user calibration. Um, not uh, what you think of for the ISEs, for instance, the ammonium, like putting it, taking it to the lab and measuring it in standards. You never want to do that. What you can do is a one-point calibration in situ, and we, it's called a matrix adjustment, where it's uh, adjusting the offset of the uh, the calibrate the uh, curve, the calibration curve. Um, Adjusting the slope is not necessary because of the state, how stable the ammonium and nitrate electrodes uh, are in uh, the properties. That's the, uh, that's the golden question we always get asked. How often do I have to calibrate? This one's uh, for Sarah. Um, 
why were there two different water levels in the calculation sheets? Um, yes, the two different water levels in that sheet, one was related to identifying the mass in the basin in regards to uh, volatile suspended solids. So the water level was a snapshot uh, to correlate the mixed liquor suspended solids to a mass in the basin. And then the other water levels were used for the initial and final nitrate concentrations to convert the nitrate concentrations to a mass in the basin uh, at the initial and at the final. Okay, and I think this will be our last question for today. Uh, back to Rob. Um, would this instrumentation be beneficial in a side stream ammonia removal that mimics an SBR, such as a demon? Uh, yeah, the, the IQ sensor net instrumentation would be uh, beneficial. Obviously, those uh, side stream treatment operations need uh, very tight controls. And so the, the ammonium, uh, nitrate, and FDO and B-solid sensors would all be appropriate for measurement in those types of reactors. So that's definitely uh, absolutely an application for this type. I would say that the, the, the upper limit on the ammonium probe is, is 1,000 milligram per liter, which, uh, again, should be within the range of, of, of most, if not all, of the side stream treatment systems. Great. Thanks, Rob. Um, and I would like to thank everyone in the audience for attending today's webinar. Once again, we do appreciate and value your time and attention. Uh, feel free to contact us directly with any questions you have regarding um, water quality instrumentation, solutions for wastewater treatment process control. Our contact information for both YSI and Sanitaire are up on your screen. Um, so we'd love to hear from you. Have a great afternoon, everybody.